continues being as it's Wednesday. It's left, right, and center. Bob Metz is here. Jeff Schlemmer is off today, but he sent Jim Reed in his stead. And Jim is with Local 27 of the CAW. Right? That's correct. Right? Okay. We're right there. There we go. Now we're in business. Uh, thanks for coming, Jim. I appreciate you uh, joining us today. Um, since we've got Jim here, and since the uh, uh, CAW has been very involved and outspoken in uh, this whole issue of workfare and welfare in our community, uh, and since Bob has some thoughts on that, and I have some thoughts on that, we thought that that's maybe the appropriate way to go today. Um, maybe just to set the scene a little bit, we've all heard about uh, the, the Tory government's plans to, to exchange work for money and, and welfare. There are conflicting reports of whether this kind of an idea has worked in other places. There are some people who say it has and some people it hasn't. We've done some research on the show, and both are right. There are some instances where it's been a successful program and others where it hasn't. There are differences in all of these programs, of course, and it generally comes down to whether you think welfare is an entitlement or whether it's something that uh, if you, we can set up an equitable system, that there's nothing wrong with asking somebody to earn the money we give them. But it gets much more complicated than that. It gets into the area of are we then taking jobs away from people who need them? Are these people being exploited, the people on workfare? Are they being uh, exploited by the government? Are there is the potential for them to be exploited by employers? Is this really a positive step for them? Is it really a, a hand up? Uh, or is it a handout to, uh, to the corporate world who are going to get some cheap labor if the worst fears of this whole program are realized? And Jim, I guess I'll start with you with this question. Is there, a, from a philosophical point of view, from labor's point of view, is there anything intrinsically wrong with a system that would suggest at least that if you want money from society that perhaps we, we should consider some way to exchange your labor or whatever for that money. That's what, what organized labor is founded on, fair pay for what we do. We don't want anything for free, we, we want, but we do, want to be, we do want to be paid. Is there anything philosophically wrong with saying to people who are uh, accessing the public purse, if you will, that provided we can set up a good system, that, that this is fair to ask you to help us when we're helping you? Well, what we're talking about is a community placement model. Uh, I think that's what you're alluding to mm -hmm. in your remarks here. And the problem with, with the community placement, especially, in, and we've got to recognize that right now we'll, that we have a fairly buoyant economy and a, and a, and a good job market out there. Uh, community placements are a dead end for most employable people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's employable people that they're, they're, they're slotting into the community placements in order to get this thing up and running mm -hmm. to show that they have success stories. Uh, the fact is, the fact is that, that uh, they aren't creating... Uh, sustainable jobs for these for, for people that have that have gone through the system at Memorial Boys and Girls Club and gone off the system. Uh, the fact is that that uh, th these so-called uh, mentoring and shadow jobs that they've created there are just uh, are, are more illusionary than 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 real. Um, it's it's another way that the Memorial Boys and Girls Club is accessing government funds. They they all they they have most of their staff funded through the Choms program. They have uh, now they have a lot of their labor being performed by by workfare recipients and they've got an executive director who's quite quite honestly one of the highest paid executive directors in the city of london now b before we go any further because i'm a little fuzzy on this connection between the boys and girls club why are we talking mm -hmm. about them because the boys and girls club from day one have been met have been uh, uh uh pushing to become the workfare broker in in the city of london Right now, they are the workfare broker. They've they've entered into an agreement with the city of London. Mm -hmm. uh, they're brokering to other agencies. They are, and and this despite okay. the fact that they they signed an agreement with Labour and with United Way 
that they were not going to participate in okay. mandatory workfare. Okay. But I still want to come back to my question, though. Is there anything inherently wrong with saying to someone who does not have a job, saying, yes, we, you know, we will give you money, but there's something you can do to help your community? On a philosophical level, is there anything on, on fundamentally a, wrong on with a that? On a philosophical level, no if. If, the, if there is, is, is protections in place for that worker, if the, if the wage that the worker is, is being paid is fair, uh, commensurate to, to the, the work that they're performing for an agency or, or, or a business. Okay, so you're not um, opposed in theory to the no, idea that but, the government doesn't but necessarily the, have to just give you money. Right, but okay. the way this workfare scheme is being set up is, is that we're, we are creating another, we are creating a subclass of, of, of workers and under, that, that fall even below the, the minimum wage. Okay. Bob, let me turn to you now, from, uh, again, from a philosophical point of view. Um, is there anything wrong with asking people to, to contribute back for an exchange? Yes, you don't have a job, you need money, we'll give you money, but we need something back from you. Is there anything wrong with that? Um, well, the action itself, I would say no, but the whole, the whole premise of the thing, I think, is a little misleading. Once you're paying people to work, it ain't welfare anymore, Jim. Mm -hmm. It's job creation. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you've created, subversively, uh, a new government program which is going to fail, just like all the previous job creation programs failed, because government can't create jobs. Every penny that the government puts into any job creation program comes out of the pocket of some guy who's working in the private marketplace. So the more effort we put into that, the less the actual workers will have in their pockets. But isn't the theory behind it, though, and again, I'm talking theories, I'm not talking about as Mike Harrison, the folks have brought it forward, isn't the theory behind it, though, that there are some things that could be done in our community that simply aren't being done now because we can't afford to do them? We are already paying people. Maybe we, well, we can't we can afford to do them. The problem is we're not allowed to pay the low price that some of these jobs command. That's why we have minimum wages. Minimum wages keep anyone who's worth less than the minimum wage out of the job market. And there's a lot of jobs in that strata level that need to be done. Like I so, think a lot so of people would think of, you know, cleaning up cleaning a lot of parks, roadways. Cleaning, cleaning sure. parks, A lot of complaints about our parks today. Right. Now, now, I would ask both of you gentlemen, would you like to go out and, and along Wellington Street and, clean, and, and in 30-degree in, uh, temperature and, and clean along the side of the roads for, for less than minimum wage? Would you, would, and, and would you consider that sustainable employment? To, no, I think to, no, to, it's not to meant pay, to be sustainable. No I, think the, I no, I think you're right. The answer is no, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't think most people would. But is it about sustainable employment or is it about saying... Can we get some value for the money we're giving? I, th I think I think it's more about more about scapegoating and, and targeting the poor. I, I think that's that's exactly what the agenda is mm -hmm. of this government. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, again, you, you look you look at the fact you look at the fact in the city of London alone. Bob McNorgan is, is, tells me that that over 200 people on social assistance before Ontario Works came into place mm -hmm. are volunteering in community mm -hmm. agencies. Yes, and we know there are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the statement targeting the poor, that seems to me self-evident. That's the whole point. We're targeting the poor. We want to raise them up from that level. That's what the government is at least trying to... But trying is to workfare gonna, the workfare no, is not going to raise not. them anywhere. Absolutely not. And, and, you know, I can see the frustration. I, I think workfare is more a plan to placate the taxpayer than it is to do anything about job creation or uh, creating meaningful work or, or giving people a step up to, to, to meaningful work. Mm -hmm. um, Taxpayers, you know, the government was listening. They were just getting fed up of handing their money over to other people and getting nothing in return. At least this way, there's some visibility uh, allowed through the media where we can point to one or two people who are working for the government. And, and I, I imagine there's going to be the odd little success story here and there mm -hmm. that will be really touted big. Mm -hmm. But on the overall big picture, it's just not going to work.
643-1290 is the telephone number. Star 1290 on the Cantel. We pause for a moment. Jim Reed and Bob Metz with us this morning on Left, Right, and Center. We invite your calls and comments as well. It's also Left, Right, and Center, our regular Wednesday feature. Jeff Schlemmer away, but Jim Reed's here from the CAW. And Jim and Bob and I are discussing work fair. Uh, it's not really a Left, Right, and Center issue for us. We uh, generally are pretty much in agreement with None of us are very happy with the system as it's set up today. Uh, we're looking for your calls and comments today, too. And Bill joins us. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Um, I, I think they, they should have set up a system where uh, it would be an apprenticeship system where the uh, government and the uh, employer and, and the unions and everything would work together to try and help these people to have uh, a better future rather than just have them, you know, working as a sub-working uh, mm -hmm. group mm -hmm. for uh, less than minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Like, I think what the guy said is true. It's just to please the taxpayers, you know, just to make it look like these people are doing something and they're being productive. But uh, no one would want to work for that kind of money. Mm -hmm. the, the flip side, though, let me ask you this question, though. Um, and I agree, and, and Jim and Bob agree, too. No one or most people wouldn't want to work for that kind of money. Some people might want to. But, but in fairness to the people who brought the program forward, the idea, the theory behind it, is not that we want to get cheap labor from you folks. The theory is that there's no more free lunch. The theory is we will give you money because you're having tough times, but you've got to give us something back. That's the theory. Now, when you try to put it into practice, you run into all sorts of problems. It's a very slippery slope, though. Once, once you uh, open it up, like, where, where does it end, you know? Well, but some people would say the other way around, though. It's a slippery slope to give people money for doing nothing. Where does that end? Yeah. But the, but the thing is, though... Like, I've never been on welfare, but I don't think that people on welfare have a great quality of life either. Like, in, and the government is using them as scapegoats for the problems of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, I, mean, I know what you're saying. Like, you, you don't want somebody living on that their whole life. But, I mean, that's why they have to set up a program with employers and, and with unions yep. so that be apprenticeships so they'd learn something so yep. they can raise up their level to get off it rather oh, than just do something for the sake Very of doing good point. it. The Harris government has actually gone in the opposite direction of apprenticeships. They've, they've, they've scrapped uh, the apprenticeship boards. They've, they've scrapped funding to the, to the um, uh, community colleges. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of things that were in place, by, put in place by the previous conservative, liberal, and new democratic party have been scrapped by this government. And, and we're going to end up in this province, and I talk to skilled trades reps all the time, we're going to end up with, in this province in the next five years with a, with a definite shortage of skilled trades people in, 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 to work in our sector. Well, in fact, we have a shortage now. Do we exactly. not? We do. Yeah. We do. Appreciate your call today, Bill. Well, Thank you, sir. And from Bill to Gil. Hi, Gil. Hi, good morning. Yes, sir. Yeah, just a couple of comments here um, to Jim. And um, I generally agree with what he said, but he, but he said that we have a buoyant economy and, and workfare is preventing people on welfare from getting jobs. I think that's true for a small minority on welfare, but we have to remember that there are over 50,000 people in London on welfare, unemployment insurance, or not working, or working part-time when they should be full-time. I'll qualify my remarks by, by uh, saying that, that the economy has improved since 1990 and 1992 when we went through a recession because of the free trade agreement, mm -hmm. because of the high interest rates, and... and uh, and because of the GST that was that was implemented, the effect the effects the effects of those three things caused caused that recession. Well, then no, we're they, starting they to come contribute. Out of they contribute. Well, largely contribute. Well, contribute. But the point the point I wanted to make was that that uh, yes, I agree that workfare prevents people on welfare from getting jobs. But the point is, with fifty thousand people in the labor pool, there's never going to be enough jobs 
even in the, as the economy reaches a peak, and it's because of automation and it's because of the wealthy getting wealthier. The, the, the economy cannot provide enough jobs for all the people that need them. And that's the point I want to make, because when, work, when welfare was brought in in the 30s and the 40s, there was a recognition in the United States under Roosevelt and here in Canada that there, there was a, always going to be too many people and not enough jobs. And, and that's the point of, of having welfare. It, it, working people uh, supported the, the welfare system because they realized that if we didn't have minimum wages and we didn't have welfare, uh, what would happen is everybody would end up bidding the price of wages down to like 50 cents an hour or 25 cents an hour. And, and so there was, a, there was a, an agreement within society that if there wasn't enough work for everybody, and that there never would be enough work for everybody, then there would have to be a welfare system. And the other problem I have with workfare is that, that um, all labor should be voluntary. Like, if I have $100,000 in the bank and I don't want to work, I don't have to because I got the money in the bank. No one can make me go out and work because this is a free society with free labor. So I object to the workfare idea that, that people have to be forced to go and do something, especially when there aren't enough jobs. But you know, there's a, there's a downside to what you're saying, and I agree, with, I agree with you, but there's a flip side to it. The flip side is it's not a free society if you, Gil, have to, are compelled by the government to give money to somebody who is not being productive in the society. Now, I understand what you're saying about why we do it and how the system was set up, but so you're, the, the, what you're saying is you have to be free not to take a job, but that's not that is not the proof that we live in a free society because the the flip is you are not free to say well i don't want to contribute to that guy who doesn't want to work we all, we all have to pay our taxes whether it's to buy absolutely to yeah. buy ta absolutely. Buy guns no, the, or whatever no, the only point i'm saying to you though is the argument if you're going to use that argument that sword cuts both ways but i think as a taxpayer i should be happy to pay my taxes to support welfare in order to keep uh, our uh, wage system up and, and to make sure that the, the poor who don't have jobs can be taken I care of. I have no problem with you feeling that way. All I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is if you invoke the idea that nobody should be forced yeah. to do anything, that, that you have to apply that on both sides. I'm not saying we do away with the taxation system, nor am I saying we do away with welfare. I'm saying in the interests of an honest discussion, you have to recognize that that has to be on both sides of the balance. No, if, if the government decides that you have to pay taxes, you, ha you have to pay. It's not a... You don't volunteer to pay taxes in the system, but it's not a charity system. No, actually, no, I, I would disagree. I think you do volunteer. You volunteer by staying here, by being part of the system. If you don't want to do that, you leave. You go somewhere else. But it's the cost of living in the society. Absolutely. But it's a anyway, the other thing I wanted yeah. to talk to Jim about was I understand that um, there is a meeting tonight at Labor Council talking about the extent of the Harris cuts, and I wondered if Jim could just comment on that, if he's got some details yeah. of, of what's going on there. Uh, the Ontario Federation of Labour is sponsoring an, another one of the town hall meetings that's going to be held 7 o'clock tonight at the Toll Puddle uh, between, on Adelaide Street between uh, King and, and Dundas. And uh, we're going to have a number of, of people from the community, both uh, from, from uh, NGOs, uh, organized labor, from the church groups, the social, social action groups, to talk about what the impact of, this, uh, of the Harris government's been. And, uh, and and to give it a real local perspective. So uh, so you're talking about, say, cuts at hospitals and schools? Hospitals, and schools. I mean, system? you look in, in London with the closing of the two psychiatric hospitals, we're going to be looking at a, a loss of 1,500 jobs in this community, uh, plus the fact that you're going to have... Uh, time to privatize the system, then. Well, time to privatize the system, I don't think that, that's, that's going to be... An, uh, that's going to end up being... Uh, a viable solution because when it's you look the at only it, solution. when you look at a for-profit for system uh, 
Prices, prices will drop. Price, prices won't drop. If you're in a competitive for profit system, prices will drop as they do everywhere else that system is but, in play. But, but, the, ser but the service that, that's there is going to deteriorate to the extent that uh, you're going you're gonna to end up with the horror stories that, uh, of, the, of, of, of the 20s and 30s and how, the, how we, we, treated, uh, we treated the mentally ill. But I guess we're getting off, we're getting off talk, topic a little bit, but that's just one of the, the issues and the items that's going to be discussed tonight. That's tonight, tonight at the Toll Puddle uh, uh, Complex there at, what, 7 o'clock? At 7 o'clock. Everybody's welcome? A every, the, the public's more than welcome to attend. Okay, great. Thanks, Gil, for your okay. call today. Appreciate it. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel. Well, guys, what do we do then? What, would, what do we do? I mean, Gil has raised an interesting point here, and it's, it is a philosophy that's shared by some, but not all people. The idea that we are always going to have some people unemployed, so how best do we take care of them? The system we've set up now, and I think we have to admit, is a lot better than the system it replaced. It's a lot better than during the Depression, for example, when people like my grandfather worked for 50 cents a day shoveling coal all day long. Uh, and because that was all that was there, you did that or you starved. Um, in a similar situation today, he wouldn't be forced to do that. But we also have the problem that we have seen the costs of, of this system of welfare and so on continue to climb even through periods of prosperity. And some people have said, you know, may, maybe this isn't the best system. Is there a better system, Jim? Is there something, if we threw it all away today and built it from the ground up, what should we do? I, I think what we, have to, what we would have to do is look at, look at structural improvements in in the way that we we relate both as labor um, uh, you, uh, as labor as business and as as government, uh, uh, one of the things that I that I like to see is is that we we start uh, implementing some 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 rules on employers that 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 forces them to create more full time employment oh, rather than on. contract employment and part time employment. This, you, this, how are you going to force an what, employer to create jobs? I mean, that, that's an obscene. That's not the, it's it's not going to it's going to it's going to force them to take it back, I, back I, take I, it back from temporary contract work and into full time work with benefits. So, so you're saying and the that's going to and that's, that's going to help there, then. the work you're is saying still the work there. is there. You just think it should be apportioned differently. It should be apportioned differently. Well, that's well, that's wrong, a structural adjustment that, that should be done. Well, because you have to use force to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you get into creating laws and rules and regulations for people over their own property. The businessman who's in business has his own money. He can do what he wants with it. Uh, you know, we, somehow there's this idea out there, and Gil represented it very clearly, that, job, that, that the economy exists to create jobs. This is wrong. The economy exists to create productivity, to create products and services, so to, create wealth, to, to, to create, create wealth, to create wealth for the top 10% in our well, society. For, for whoever shares in it, in the creation of that wealth, everyone participates. But the fact, the fact, is, the fact is, Mr. Mess, that, that, that the workers are not sharing in that wealth. They ha they, they, they are the workers are not sharing in, in, that, in the increase in productivity. What do you call the workers their wages? Are not, their, their, wage, their wages have just declined since, since the late 70s. The, the, the actual take-home pay. I didn't ask you whether wages went up or down. They've so, gone. You don't call them part of the sharing of the wealth that is being created? But it's an unfair share. And well, it's also well, an unfair... What's it's unfair a, about it? What, what's, uh, it's, it's, uh, when it's you a, agree, if I agree to, to, to work for somebody for a dollar an hour, I cannot claim that, that I've made an unfair deal. Uh, that's a fair deal. If he pays me a buck an hour. Now, whether you like it or not, and I know you won't, because you consider that competitive labor to people who want to get 10 20 30 and $40 an hour which to me is an unfair deal because labor is supposed to be competing with labor and what unions do is pit labor against labor so that part of labor is shut out the non-unionized people 
and that the labor, the labor fee, uh, force that's in the union has all these privileges that most people don't have. And Jim, you were wrong when you said most people don't want to work for minute, less than minimum wage. Um, I know all kinds of people who work for less than minimum wage. Oh, I, and they're called self-employed business no, people. Number one, number you know? one, the labor, labor movement fought for the minimum wage. Fought to get the, the minimum well, wage. Well, of course, because, because and, and you think that's good. I think that's a bad thing. Because what you did was you created the, the, that unemployment uh, level that, uh, that feeds the whole system. Like when you create a minimum no. wage, suppose minimum wages no. went up to 20 bucks no, an hour right now. Can you imagine the unemployment that would be created? Immediately. People would be laid off tomorrow. Could you now look at the, okay, if, so, if, if the bank if the Bank of Canada decides to raise interest rates to twenty percent tomorrow, and 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 the bank well, they, they and, and the banks and the banks and the banks and the private sector banks who make make most of their or make more more money off of off of the the, no, the interest no, that they charge to the government. No one in an economy has the power to just raise prices at their whim. It never happens like that because. Even if I was a monopolist and I was the only guy, like, they can like we talked about rates last week with Bill Gates, uh, you know, I could raise my price to $10,000 a computer once my monopoly is established, I'd be out of business tomorrow. Wouldn't happen, because nobody could afford it. In fairness, though, Jim, they, they, don't, they can't set interest rates at a whim. They are, they are subject to a lot of forces market all forces. around the world. Same and market wages. forces as well. Uh, they have done things that you disagree they, with uh, and, yeah. and that I've disagreed with, too, in the last mm -hmm. 10 years in interest rate policy, no mm -hmm. question. But they don't do it on a whim. They, they believe there are forces at work on them. But they do it with a set agenda. Oh, and no the question. set agenda is to, keep, is to keep wages down, to keep living conditions down for workers. Why? Everyone's and, and, agenda and look, is to look, keep the has, cost of living has, down. Who, who has no, profited no, the most? No, wait, who has profited wait, the most? Wait, wait, oh, oh, stop. Time out, time out, time out. I want to ask you a question. Because we hear this a lot from from labor, um, and I'm very sympathetic. People don't realize that I'm very sympathetic to labor. I was well, a union member for 25 years, and I've worked hard for every penny I've got. Um, and my dad was a union member for years, and his dad before him. So I'm very sympathetic to the to working guys. I'm a working guy myself. But you say that there's an agenda here somewhere, and I'm not saying there isn't, but I just wonder if you'll explain it a little more. Who benefits by keeping workers down? Who benefits from that? Corporations and, and 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 the people that control the levers of power in this. But in this how country. do they benefit? They they benefit because because the same thing as part as part of what they've done with with uh, with the UI system and the welfare system is that they've created a climate of fear amongst the workers, uh, of 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 people not having that support to fall back on if they lose their job. Mm -hmm. To, but, but to, to I, create, but to, how to, do they benefit? I mean, don't they? And again, I'm just, I'm just trying to find out. Don't they? If, 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 if working guys, people who work for a living, like you and me, mm -hmm. and like Mr. Metz, if we don't have a reasonable standard of living, if we don't make a reasonable amount of money, we can't buy the products that these big corporations are making and selling. And if we don't buy their products, they're out of business. So how do they? I don't understand how they benefit by keeping us down. I just don't understand that. What, what, you're, what you're looking at is, is a decline. I, what I'm talking about is, is a decline in the standard of living for the average worker mm -hmm. since the 70s. And, it, and it's continued. Mm -hmm. and, and you look at the fiscal policy of this government, mm -hmm. of, the, of the federal government, mm -hmm. and you look at who's benefited most. Mm -hmm. and, it is, and it isn't the working people in this, in this, in this country. 
Well, it's, you look at the, you look the at teachers the, you look have benefited. The, the teachers have benefited a lot because their teachers' pensions fund, which is invested in Wh corporations, which, has been has been returning record growth. Wh which Mike Harris wants to get get his hands on and, well, know, and turn it over and steal from. I know, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. But the well, point is, trying but to. those are working, folks, and they've they've prospered mightily because of the. Uh, economic policies of the province and and I dare say although I don't know I dare say the uh, CAW has probably got a lot of investments in corporations around this country no we don't you don't no we don't where's all your pension money Our, we don't have each the CAW isn't structured the same way as a teacher's pension fund is uh, each each pension is negotiated separately with each employer mm -hmm. we don't have uh, like a team like the teamsters are, are a union that have a, a, a teamsters pension fund mm -hmm. uh, we negotiate separately we have thousands of, of uh, yeah, but different, your, but different your pension, pension money is invented in labor-sponsored funds and all sorts of things. No, no, it's it not. Isn't. No, some. Oh, okay. So, well, some pe some people some people are and uh, have invested in uh, in the labor venture in the labor venture ca capital funds. Mm -hmm. I know the steel workers are, are one union that that uh, mm -hmm. supports that and promotes that within within their with their members, but. Uh, uh, no, we we have diff we have uh, a, a, there's a variety of pen different types of pension plans. Some are company held, some are uh, uh, so done no, through a third no, party. There's so. no CAW pension no, fund like no. there is a teachers' that, that's, union that's, fund. That's a real misconception that's out there. Well, I'm glad about you our around, union. Cause, cause I, I, you know, I, my impression. <laughs> I wish there was. Cause my my impression was that it was like the teachers and like a variety of other unions. So, like you mentioned, the Teamsters, for example, that there was a large pool of, of pension capital there. Jim, I I I was the plant chair at a place called London Machinery last October, and and we went out we went out on strike for a month. To establish a pension plan, mm -hmm. to establish a bare bones pension plan, just mm -hmm. to get it in place. So there's no pension through the CAW. No, there isn't. Oh, okay, well I'm, I'm glad you glad you shared that with us. We're going back to the phone six four three twelve ninety, and Dave's with us. Hi, Dave. Morning, Jim. Yes, sir. I just wanted to pass a comment on when your uh, one guest said that uh, uh, our standard of living has declined over the last few years. Mm -hmm. I have ten times more possessions than my father ever owned. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, you have ten times more possessions than you had ten years ago, or your father had ten years ago. I think that's the point Jim was trying to make. Uh, we well, my father's that. deceased, but I know I, at my point in life, mm -hmm. uh, at being 39 years of age, mm -hmm. my father never had two cars or several TVs, okay, mm -hmm. and, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in RRSPs and things like that. So, I mean, one of the things that I think is we want more. So we think our standard of living is well, less. Let, let, let me say here that from, from here I'm in the center again, my understanding, and I just read some stuff about it two days ago here, was that in fact, in real purchasing terms, the, 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 the purchasing power of the average North American worker has in fact declined since 1970. Okay. So uh, we're talking the average across everybody else, disposable income in constant dollars is in fact is lower today than it was in 1970. Okay. I think that's the point Jim was trying to make. Okay. Now, your point is well taken, too. There are a lot of people who are, I mean, I live a lot better than my dad did, too. Yeah. But, but still, overall, no, we haven't made a lot of progress in 20, 28 years. Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess it's how you just kind of uh, view things from uh, different perspectives is um, um, how much are we supposed to have gained in one sense. When you're just a, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a worker, are you supposed to have the ability to have a home and a uh, cottage and uh, take several vacations per year. Uh, you know, like I, I, is I, that a reasonable expectation? Well, I think that 
that that may be on the part of the worker, but you certainly cannot put that expectation to be met on the employer. That's what I mean. Um, so it's none of the employer's business. What kind of lifestyle you expect to have as his worker? That's right. So I mean, if you want to have that lifestyle, perhaps it's incumbent upon you to then go out and start your own business. That's if that right. I think if so you want a productive lucrative. worker, it is. So yeah, that's the flip side, though. What about <laughs> you, you know? We've seen economic systems in the past until very recently where it really was the entire everything was entirely at the whim of the employer and you either took his job or you didn't eat and uh, you know I've sometimes uh, I'm sometimes wonder about the argument that a totally free market and Bob you and I've talked about this before I sometimes wonder about the argument that a totally free market is the answer to it because we've seen in the past again to me it's it, it's almost like the argument about communism that that and I'm going to maybe let me finish. Let me finish. No, let me finish. Let me finish. The argument is sometimes made it you know communism or socialism is a wonderful system on paper, but when you get human beings doing it, that doesn't work very well. Well, I think you can make the same argument about capitalism that on paper, uh, you know, the free hand or the invisible hand and so on would would yield maximum pro or maximum uh, uh, um, prosperity to the maximum number of people and so on and so on. And then you get human beings plugged into the equation and they screw it all up. Well, there, there, that will always be the case under both systems. You're going to have people who just will not work for whatever reason or other. But and can't, and can people we... who are in that status will not accumulate wealth. It's as simple as that. You can't blame the system that allows other people to create wealth on the poverty of the people who aren't partaking in it for whatever reason. But I want to talk but, about, well, let's talk about the minimum wage, for example, and your argument about minimum wage. Mm -hmm. The problem with minimum wage is today, under minimum wage is, that it's not what used to be loosely referred to as a living wage. Yeah, you can take a job for $3 an hour, but you can't live on it. Right. And so, so what? Well, so if you're that so individual... For a while, so for a while, I take a wage that's less than what I can live on for a while. So how do you that's live? That's all that's there. How do you live? Well, then I don't. Then I don't take the wage. What, then I go to a charity or something like no, that. They, but some people can, believe it or not, live on two bucks an hour mm -hmm. or five bucks an hour. But we've put them right out of the marketplace. So they are now out there competing with the guys who are worth more money. Because everybody has to be paid the same, starting at the minimum wage level and above. So it doesn't help anybody. It creates more unemployment and, at both ends of the scale. And yet minimum wage has not destroyed our economy. I well, mean, we still because, because they cannot set the political minimum wage too far above the real market minimum wage. And your minimum wage is whatever you personally decide you will not work for less than. Everybody mm -hmm. has their own. And the only thing is that those who have set their personal minimum wage high at 10 or 20 bucks, are very threatened by the guy who's happy to work for five bucks an hour, but so they pass laws to make sure he can. But it's easy to say that, you know, well, some people can live on two dollars an hour, and if you can't, you can go on welfare and charity and so on. And I think back again to the example of my grandfather, uh, how many years ago now, 60, 70 years ago, uh, and he, I grew up with the stories of the Depression, and, and shoveling coal for 50 cents a day. The family couldn't live on the amount of money he made, but they got closer to living than they would otherwise. Well, and right. th th things improved slowly because he worked three jobs. He worked 18, 20 hours a day. But, but he didn't have an option. But whose fault? It wasn't his employer's fault. The guy who was paying him 50 cents a day, it wasn't his fault. He didn't have much more to pay him. Like, who are you blaming? Nature, no, no, mother I'm, no, nature. No, I'm not, I'm not blaming to... anybody. What well, I'm saying so is... Well, where is your we... solution? Well, I'm saying that today my grandfather would be better off than he was then. That's what I'm saying. Of Our course, system is not... as flawed no, as the no, system no, no. may not be. Not because of the system, because of the productivity we've had in the last half century, which is unparalleled in human history. Mm -hmm. We didn't used to have TVs, VCRs, massive highway infrastructure. Um, cities as, as big as they are. We, we never had all these things, communications. This is all created wealth. 
And this is why we're better off even at the bottom of the rung. A, a, a person in North America who's the poorest guy in North America is better off than half the people in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it, and that's because of the productivity bec the, that our system of capitalism, which works in reality, not just on paper, creates all this wealth. So, you, so you're promoting that we become a third world economy? No, I'm not. We're not. Well, we, we are the, not the, a third the world effect, economy. The, the third with your world, total by the way, is ruled totally by people who think that they should be regulating prices, wages, uh, controlling businesses, uh, controlling markets, interest rates. That's why they are third world status, because they practice those policies. And they started those policies when they were still primitive economies. So they couldn't lift themselves up from it. We started later when we were already lifted up. And now, as everyone agrees here, our purchasing power is declining because of the new system that we brought in place which redistributes all this wealth to people who aren't working for it. Money has to be earned. If it's not being earned and worked for, it's not doing its work in the economy and it's not contributing to anyone's wealth. But how, how, is, how, how is, is, is it that uh, uh, the, the, the chairman of, 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 of RBC Makes makes something like uh, what was it about two two million well, more four, than that four, four million, million four million in salary. Now he's going to he's going to invest that money back into the economy. I, I would argue with, I would argue with you that that the well, average that the average, that the average person in space. <laughs> that the average person on social assistance invests more in our economy than than than, uh, than, than the president of the, of the of the Bank of Commerce. More in, more in what way? Certainly not in dollar value. He spends he spends his he spends his money on rent. Yeah, he he buys all his food. He doesn't have money to invest in the Cayman Islands. He doesn't have money in, to invest in RSPs. He he doesn't have money to invest in tax shelters. Well, in actual fact, you're talking, you're, working you're, people you're talking about a welfare recipient, are you? Well, I'm t I, just just as an example, but the but, average but working no, no, person invests. What's really happening there is that someone else is buying being, that person. But Bob, rent. working people, working people making a decent wage invest more in our economy, and that's what's caused our economy to grow to the extent that it has. Oh, absolutely, it has not. That's why if, I don't we think let, we need minimum we, wage legislation. Oh. I think wages will rise of their own accord if we allow more capital, more investment. The thing that makes a worker productive is the machinery and capital that is at his disposal. If you can be here in North America with a high, high technology making some widgets that somebody in Asia has to do by hand, there is no way that that person can be compared as productive as yourself here because we have capital. And constantly unions and labor movements are deriding the capital upon which their wages are built and, and deriding the wealth that the people who, who create that capital no, uh, what we are deriding you know, is the division of that capital. I think you have to make that distinction. Well, the only division and, to and which you're that entitled that is and that, that to which you agree in wages. Again, if, I, if you only agree to accept uh, $2 an hour in wages, you have no moral case to come against your employer later and say he owes you a living. Without, 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 and I'm talking about the non-unionized sector. Without, without a union or without, without any kind of leverage behind them as workers, well, there's where, no, where, is, where is your bargaining position? Where, where is your bargaining position? Well, your, your leverage is in your skills and what you have to offer to the employer versus what other people have. You, you're in competition. You're in competition with other so, people so who have I've the same the, skills I, I've as you. I've got the sa same skills. I've, I've, got, I've got the same skills, and I've worked for that employer for 10 years. And all of a sudden, I get a guy out, out, of, uh, out of university who's, who's maybe got a few more courses and, and maybe, got a, uh, may, maybe thinks he's better than the employer. And the employer says, okay, okay Jim, you're out the door, and we're going to hire this guy. Well, that's the employer's choice. I, well, think, he, I think he would choice. be crazy oh, okay. to make such a choice okay. because he's invested 10 years in you and in your experience, and that's what he's paying you for. Like, you're just assuming out of some whimsical 
idea that employers just want to get rid of people for the sake of getting rid of them. Uh, but let's let's say let's put let's let's make other things equal. Suppose you and I had the precise same skills related to a certain job, mm -hmm. and I'm willing to work for five bucks an hour, and you won't work for less than ten. Mm -hmm. Why should there be any kind of law or prohibition or anything to prevent me from working for that employer? Well, what, what's, what's, what's to stop that downward spiral? What, what's to say what, that somebody else comes along and says, Bob, Jim, You're not we're not answering gonna, my question. We're, we're gonna, Why can't we're I make that we're deal? Gonna, we're going to work it, too. But, Jim, fairly, he did ask you a fair question, but I want to add one little element to it here. Let's suppose you're the employer, and you have the option of hiring Bob for $5 an hour or me, Jim, for $10 an hour with exactly the same skills. Now, you're the employer now, Jim. You own the company. Mm -hmm. You're feeding your family from this company. Which one of those guys are you going to hire? But the fact... No, but, no, no. Which one of those guys are you going to hire? The fact is, as an employer, I, w I have that right anyway. Without, no. without any... With, it's not below minimum wage, you don't. <laughs> Well, no, well, no, seriously, seriously, no, you're not answering the question, though. You're the employer, it's your company, you're responsible to your family and your shareholders and whatever. You can hire either one of us. Are you going to tell me you're going to pay me $10 because you're a good guy? I, I would, I would, I would look at it as a responsibility. If I was a responsible employer, mm -hmm. I would look at it as being a responsible employer to pay my worker a living, decent Fair wage, whatever is a fair, if it's a fair wage. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, let's, okay. let, let's change the 5 to $10. Let's say that Bob wants $15 to do the job, which is a fair living wage, and I want 25 Are you still going to hire me, or are you going to hire him? I, I would, you would, it would depend on what the job that you were asking to, well, asking to be done. We're totally, I mean, we're totally equal was, in our qualifications. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting me on the other side of the table than I usually sit. Uh, but that's I've a good negotiating for the employer. I know, I know, but I find in my job it's really instructive to do that. I do that a lot. I well, try to I try to go around and see where the other guy's coming from. See, that's the problem for many employers, and you're experiencing the problem right now. In the abstract, it's easy to say, well, you know, I ought to get I ought to get the top dollar. But when you're on the other side of the coin, you're looking and say, well, here's a guy who's willing to do the job, perfectly happy to do it, and he's going to get a living wage. If this guy wants a whole lot more. Who am I going to hire? But wage, but wage increase. Real, let's get back to the real world. Wage increases really haven't even kept up with inflation in the la since 1990. No. Even in even in the even in the organized sector. Sure. So that's so that's fact. But you also get we're, a, we're but you get a whole lot of people that uh, who are who are small independent businessmen who will tell you that they're having exactly the same problem. Mm -hmm. But they can't negotiate with with the management because they are the management. Let's go back to the phones. Got a lot of people waiting. And Ted's up next. Hi, Ted. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, this is the first chance I got. Uh, call when Mr. Metz is on. Um, what's the other gentleman's name? Jim Reed from the CAW. Oh, hi, Jim. Uh, I wonder, Jim, you know, when you started out working, did you have any idea in your mind that maybe you should invest some money in your in your business or corporation or, or invest your money to the employer? And then maybe would it give you a, a greater ground to stand on to ask for more return? Because it seems to me like you guys just seem to want to always always ask for more, but you, but you're not taking any of the risks. You want everything, benefits, high wages, guaranteed jobs, job security, but you don't want to take any of the risk. And, it, and you know, there's a way of getting around that. It's just simply investing, having your own investment program, and then you won't, maybe you, when you're 50 years old, you won't need the employer. Is, is there anything wrong with that kind of strategy for life? I, have, having worked in, in the non-unionized sector for the, probably about the first 15 years of my working life, some of the employers that I worked for, I wouldn't give them a bloody dime. Well, I mean, yeah, you've got to be—you've got to be kidding! You've got to be kidding! 
Even the employers that I work could, for you now, could take I would your money them. and invest it, and 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 maybe do quite well. It's it's, sure. it's open there for all of us. But I mean, that's a that's a that, it's it's still a free society. It's a free it, it's a free economy. I mean, as as an individual, we have we have that option to 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 invest in in whatever we see fit to to look after the interests of our of our families. Yes, yeah, certainly. Just because just because we're union members doesn't mean that we don't invest in the economy. Do you support the idea of a free economy, Jim? Seems to. Yeah, but it doesn't apply to labor for some reason. Why, yeah. why don't we have more competition in labor and free wages and forget minimum wages? But we do stuff. have we do have competition in labor. We I'd do like have to competition in labor too. because we it, have our work it, being jobbed out from from good wage pillars of society in our community like General Motors Diesel in, in, in London. So, and, so, and that that work that we that was being done by, by those workers and we're losing and we're losing hundreds of jobs that are being being sent to, to low wage jobs. Well, that, that well are, listen that, to what you're saying. You're losing hundreds of jobs that are being sent to lower wage jobs. Yes you are because you're pricing yourself out of the marketplace and, and nonsense under, when General Motors is making a, when were. General Motors <laughs> is making a profit in Canada of over a billion dollars a year, we're pricing ourselves out of the market? Yes. Nonsense. It doesn't matter. It how much General it Motors make? It does matter what how much matters they're is making. How it matters much they, fair, what matters is how much the <laughs> labor nonsense. you That's are nonsense. competing with That's is willing nonsense. to work for. It doesn't That's matter if General Motors makes a trillion dollars a year. If 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 you're competing with a guy who's willing to work for ten bucks an hour, that's all that matters to you. You're competing with him. You would have General an economy of chaos with, without without some regulation. And and quite frankly, my friend, of, of wages, capitalis capitalism capitalism would collapse. Capitalism, as you know it, my friend, would collapse. Capitalism, by, by definition, a is totally, a free market. A, a totally, you cannot say that there, capitalism every, is supported by time, controls which are socialistic. Every time huh. that we have had deregulation, any type of deregulation, it has been the workers that have paid the price, that have borne the brunt. The workers who were previously overpaid oh, because nonsense. they were in some kind of nonsense. monopoly or major position. It happened, it's happened all over. Because they engaged in free collective bargaining. No, and Ted, uh, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Ted. we got to pause for just a second. We'll be back with more on Left, Right, and Center with Bob Metz and Jim Reed. And we're running short on time, so we've got a bunch of people waiting to get you on as quickly as we can. Hello to John. Hi, John. Hi, Jim. How are you Fine, today? Fine, thank you. have a quick comment, John? Yes, I do. Um, you know, people that try to get a job um, when, when they have no um, skills, and they always ask them if they're um, unionized. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to know, is there any way of getting around that without uh, saying... Um, um, that you don't, you're not with a union. You mean if you wanted to, to move into a skilled trade, that idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say for um, like DMG, um, GM Diesel or um, Ford Plant, things so you, like that. you're looking to get a job in a union shop without being a union member? Right. Well, you don't have to be, you don't, in our union, you do not have to be a card-carrying union member to go, to, to go in and, and get the job. Once you get the job, that's when you become a unionized member in our in our shops. The way that the CAW works, we are not a closed union shop type of uh, uh, organization. So if you could, if you had the whatever skills or talents, or or managed to get the job, whether you've got a card, then it doesn't matter. But but right. but then you become a union member. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, John. Yeah, because uh, I remember when I I tried to get into the um, Ford plant one time, yep. and um, they told me that. Uh, Am I a, uh, a union member? And yeah. I said no. 
and Nate said, well, because um, at that time, I guess they were hiring um, people who are in the union at that time. My, would there be something there, uh, Jim, in a particular situation there, where there, there might have yeah. been unemployment among union members, for example, that would they, they get preference have, then? There might have been, I don't know the specifics, but there might have been a preferential hire from, from different plants. Uh, they have that. Uh, at GM, we have people from Windsor, and we have people from, from not th that many, but we have people from Oshawa, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay, I have to leave it there, John. Thank you for your thoughts, and Kevin's with us. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, just the, uh, to the CAW guy, how much money has the CAW got invested in General Motors, Ford, uh, Northern Telecom, and that sort of a thing? Well, and Jim tells you, me they zero. have zero. represented these people. Zero dollars, I may, I, I, we, I, I, I might qualify that. May, I, I think maybe we have enough in order to and, get... And stocks say, or bonds, whatever. Well, I think we may have enough in order to get us the annual general report for, for our research people. What uh, Jim is saying, that they, we, they don't have it, those no, kinds of investments. We don't make those investments. You better take a look-see at your records. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Six four three twelve ninety. Don's up. Hi, Don. Hello, Don. Goodbye, Don. Hello, Gord. How you doing? Fine, thanks. I just wanted to quote something from uh, Michael Moore, you know, from Roger and Me fame. Yeah. He said, like, it used to be, like, uh, used to work hard, your company prospered, you prosper. Now you work hard, your company prospers, you lose your job. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. I got nothing against profit, and I would hire the $15 guy over this $25. Yep. You know, and we, we understand that, but then that's why we do need laws, and that because, like uh, Jim was saying, left up to it, you know, we'd have, uh, we might end up having slavery. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Well, you're talking about, about making employers slaves then, that they have to employ people that they don't need. Well, at, least then you'd, at least then you'd have fewer slaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, a, there's an element of truth to that approach, too, Jim, because basically, let's face it, we live in a democracy where employ employees outnumber employers, mm -hmm. and it, when, when allowed access to the democratic system, will obviously put the employer in a tough spot. And uh, that's what they did with the last regime, with the NDP regime, drove a lot of business out of the province, and that's why we had that big Nonsense. swing. Well, that, that's, a, that's an absolute fallacy. Ford General, Motors, Ford General Motors and Chrysler invested more in this, in, in this province than they ever did during the Bob Ray government. Yeah, but Jim, a lot of small businessmen did shut down and leave. I mean, I can tell you from personal a lot of, experience. A lot of, what about, a lot of small uh, business shut down and leave because of the free, free trade, well, free trade agreement some also. Of them, some of them did that too. I wouldn't argue that mm -hmm. with you. But, uh, but What about uh, corporate raiders? You talk about redistributing of, of wealth. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes in, and used to be uh, wealthy people used to create uh, wealth or create something. Now they create wealth by destroying it. You know, a corporate raider comes in, takes a viable company, destroys it, puts a lot of people out of work. Yeah, and, and it does happen. There's no, there's no denying that. But, Robert, how does that fit into the overall picture? Well, well there are reasons for that kind of thing that, that happened. Did you ever see the movie uh, Other People's Money with uh, mm. Danny DeVito? Yeah. There is a perfect example of how that happened. Uh, and Gregory Peck played the, the head of this um, company that was going to be shut down. I think they were doing, uh, I think it was New England Wire and Cable or yeah. something like that. And they were quite prosperous, and they were going to be shut down. And, and of course, Danny DeVito was one of these corporate raiders who's portrayed as the evil guy, who turns out to be the good capitalist at the end. Had he not done this, he saved all their jobs in the future because the paradigm was shifting. Mm -hmm. They were moving to a new, new technology. And he says, you know, you may have the best horse and buggy business in the world, but nobody's going to be buying your product. You know, and that's that's a lot of what's happening in the marketplace is changing consumer demands for different things and different well, services. Well, and the people actually understand that. We we don't mind that. We understand economics and all that. We just want to be treated with a little bit of respect and that we give something to the economy. We want something out of it as well. We don't care. Like, if you want to get as rich as you want, 
and profits and that. But you have to understand that when, that when you, well, that may be, but you cannot put that obligation on whatever particular employer passes your path through your lifetime. That's your obligation. Um, the, the security you create in your life has to be yours. You can't impose that upon other employers, and that's one of the reasons we're losing employers. Remember, a job is just a relationship. And you can't force relationships in a free society. We wouldn't think about doing that with marriage, with any other intimate relationship. We certainly shouldn't be doing it economically, because that's not how an economy gets its power. Uh, money, ha money has its power in the fact that people can freely spend it with their free will. If the money you spend is being forced from you, you're getting no value for it. It's just like, like stealing it from you. But we also have certain structures within any relationship. Absolutely, and we also Contract, have, and we also contractual structures. Oh, ex exactly. Yeah. And what, but what you're what you're, so what, you're, what, you're what you're what you are abdicating is is is. Uh, I, I advocate the contractual system. But we also have we also have in in relationships we also have emotional. It's not all about contract. There's also emotion that enters in that. Particularly, we're talking about interpersonal marriage is a legal contract, mm -hmm. and it's much more than a legal contract. You know, and sometimes I wonder if that element of this, of what you're talking about, yeah, contract, everybody, you know, we, we're all making deals with each other, but do we have the same kind of emotional commitment to each other? Is there no room for that? Because You will have. There certainly is an interpersonal relationship. You'll have that emotional commitment if it's voluntary, but you're sure not going to have the favorable emotional commitment if you force a relationship. You can be sure that one person's going to be emotionally very upset about and that. Isn't that what's happening now with the economy? Yeah. Gordon, I'm afraid we're out of time, sir. I thank you for joining us. Jim, can you come back another one of these at a future date? I'd love to have you back. I'd be pleased to. I thought it was, uh, we had a great discussion today, and there's a lot more, lot more left to talk about. Robert, thank you. A pleasure thank as always. You. Next week, uh, Schlemmer and Metz back for Left, Right, and Center. But we are going to get Jim Reed back on, too, because there's a, a whole lot more to discuss, and he was very eloquent in talking about his point of view on this. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow on the program, uh, well, we got a whole bunch of stuff. John, we'll find out together, okay? Uh, in the meantime, for Jim and for Robert and for Ryan and for Tara and for me, please take care of each other. Mind how you go, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.